Good morning. We are glad you're here this morning. Um, What Paul left out was that there was another group that did the same thing about a block away. Was it the Bland's house? And he was talking trash about that group. Oh, they started. Well, there was trash talk going back and forth. And Paul bribed some kids to go to their house and go up and go, the house over there is better than yours. So just some some insight into what really happened. (laughs) Um, I want to pray one more time briefly. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that we can gather. Thank you that it's not about us, but it's about you. Thank you that we can take an hour, step outside of our life, um, step outside of everything going on and just focus on you so that when we go back into life, hopefully we can continue to focus on you throughout the week, day in and day out. Open up our hearts right now to what you want to do. This is about you and your relationship with us. God, it's not about us fulfilling any kind of ritual or, or legalism, but it's about you. So please do what you want to do, whatever that is. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you were here last week, um, we, we talked about the whole point of this church thing, the whole point of going to groups thing, the whole point of, of building good Christian relationships and studying the Bible. And the point we said is uh, kind of like a telescope. We said the point is maturity. And the word that the Bible uses for maturity there in Colossians is the same word that can be translated telescope. So what we talked about is we want to be like this. We want to be fully extended our purpose completing our purpose that God has for us in our life, fully extended and, and useful, but that we, we start like this. You know, when we become Christians, we start like this and we have to grow. And it's a process that God is patient with us, leading us to a point of maturity where we are confident in our faith, where we trust Jesus, where we know some things about the Bible, some of the important things that we need to know, and where we're being used inside and outside the church, how God would have us be used. And so that kind of leads to the question that I want to ask this morning. I want you to take a minute and think about this 10 years from now. So what is 10 years? 2028. So how old will you be in 10 years? I'll be 48. Um, My youngest kid will be 18. So think forward 10 years and describe how you want to be in 10 years. What do you want to be like if you're a note taker, even just write down one characteristic about yourself that you want to be true that is maybe not true now. This applies if you're eight or if you're 70, because in 10 years, 70, you'll still be 80. What do you want to be different? Here's another question. In 10 years, how do you want other people to feel when they're around you? When someone spend, spends some time with you and then they walk away, what do you want their feeling to be? Now, I wrote down a couple. You know, what do I want to be like? I want to be selflessly loving. Um, cause right now, you know, sometimes I'm selflessly loving, but I want to be selflessly loving all the time. I want to be the person that just shows up. I'm there. Um, I want to be ambitious, ambitiously. That's the word ambitiously laboring for God's glory in his strength. And then I, I wrote down, how do I want people to feel? 
I want people to feel valued, encouraged, and drawn to Jesus. I don't want, to, I don't want people to walk away from me feeling judged, uh, feeling stupid, feeling belittled. Um, I want people to walk away feeling valued. Any, any person, a person in the church, a neighbor, that's, that's how I'd like people to feel. And I, then I wrote down maybe some that you might have put down. Uh, what do I want to be like in 10 years? Happy. You know, maybe some of us put happy. And that's okay if that's defined correctly, where I would say happy is joyful despite circumstances. Maybe you want to be confident in truth. Maybe right now, sometimes you go back and forth. You hear one thing, oh, that sounds good. I'll go that way. Then you hear something a little bit different. Oh, that sounds good. Maybe in 10 years, you want to be confident in what the truth is that you can stand on it and defend it. Anybody else have something that I didn't mention that they're willing to share? You want to be a prayer warrior. That's good. I didn't write that down. That's really good. So then let me ask this question. If you get that picture of what, what you want to be or aspects about yourself, what's your plan to get there? What's your plan to get there? Do you have a plan? What are you doing now to develop that? Because we, we want to be this, but that takes a process, right? If you want to be a good athlete, you don't just walk out onto the field and go, I'm going to be a great baseball player now. No, you, you, you go work on hitting, right? You make a plan. You're going to work on hitting. You're going to work on throwing or whatever you do in baseball. But you're going to work on those things. It's the same in life. So what, what are you doing now? What habits are there in your life? What plan do you have? Or do you have one? You know, I think uh, as I, I Googled this idea this week, and I was just curious, you know, how do, because everybody, they want to progress. We, we have things we want to get over. We want to move on. And there are a plethora, that means a lot. There are a plethora of books, of self-help books available. And so I looked up some of those and the titles are things like, uh, be a better you. Or here was one, love yourself like your life depends on it. And there's, if you look at our society, there's a lot of other strategies people put in to change, to become more joyful or at peace. Like Eastern mysticism really came in in the 60s and that's become a thing with yoga and meditation, not godly meditation, there is godly meditation, but things like that. But what if, what if I told you that life change is possible, that in 10 years you could be very different than you are now in a good way, that life change is possible and it's all found in the gospel that it's all found in the gospel, that all we need is what we've already received. That you don't need anything else, anything different. What you need is what you've already been given, already received. There's no better place we can go to than Colossians. So we're in Colossians 2. If you would turn there, please. We're, last week we covered, I don't know, 20 verses. We covered a lot. This week, we're only covering two. So far in the book of Colossians, Paul has been writing to this church that he never went to. He was never there. This church was planted by somebody who learned the gospel probably from Paul in Ephesus and then traveled to the city Colossae, uh, you know, a, a journey away. And he went there and started a church that was meeting in the house of a guy named Philemon. So it's a home church. The church is under attack in that there are people coming into the church and teaching things differently than what Epaphras had learned from Paul. Paul taught Epaphras. Epaphras taught them. Now, they're being taught some different things. And yet, what you learned was okay, but you need more. There's something else. And so Paul has been writing so far in this letter. And remember, this is a letter that they would have got together like this and just read the letter all the way through. And we're picking it piece by piece. So 
I encourage you at some point to read it all the way through. But he's really emphasized so far in this book how big Jesus is. Because the false teachings are saying, Jesus is great, but he's not enough. And so Paul says, well, okay, let's talk about who Jesus is. He's the creator. And so we saw that we were, we were blown away if this was the first time you read it, and I was in awe even reading it again, that Jesus is the creator, the one who made everything seen and unseen. He created it, and we already saw in this book that he sustains it, meaning everything that's going on right now, Jesus is keeping it going, that if he decided to take his hand off, we'd go fling it out or whatever. It would all come apart, but he created everything, and that he's the savior through his blood on the cross. We've already seen that too. So we're awed by his majesty, and then we're humbled by his love for us to shed his blood for us. And then last week, we saw a beautiful truth of how do we become mature, like that telescope? How do we become mature? We need to understand a mystery, and Paul talked about this mystery, which is Jesus in you. And this week, if you attended group, we talked about this mystery. We had a lot of fun in our group talking about it. We went all over the place. But we're talking about the mystery, something previously unknown, now revealed that the Christian now has Jesus living inside them. So how do you get to be mature? You need to understand that mystery. Now today, he's going to elaborate that a little bit. Today's two verses is all we're looking at is a transition from what he was saying to what he's going to. And it begins with the words, therefore, because we look at all these things. And if you're like me, uh, some are, some aren't, you ask, so what? You learn something, you read it, so what? So Jesus is God. He did all of this. He dwells in you. So what? So what? Things don't change. Life goes, so what? And that's an okay question to ask. So what? And I think that's why he puts these two verses in. Look with me, please, at Colossians 2, starting in verse 6. It says, therefore, literal translation, so what? Therefore, because all those things are true, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So what? What does it matter that Jesus is God? By the way, the only God, the only way to salvation, very clear in Colossians and in scripture. What does it matter that he saved you by his blood on the cross? What does it matter that he now dwells in you? It matters, therefore, this is why it matters, verse six, just as you received Christ, now walk in him. Here's his big point. The so what is that your life can look different. That's the so what. That the picture you have 10 years from now, that's the so what. That you can be different. You can be what God wants you to be. Your walk, and when the Bible talks about walk, it talks about your pattern of living. Your walk can line up with who you are in Jesus. That's the so what. So what? Walk. Now walk. As you received him, walk in him. Let your life look like it. And he's going to talk about how that happens. But that's kind of the big idea. As you've been saved, now walk. Good theology should change the way you live. Not just the way you look on the outside, by the way. Good theology doesn't make you a really good actor. It shouldn't. But yet we see that a lot in church. I mean, let's be honest. And I've dealt with that in my own life where I can act the part really well, but without what's going on on the inside. But real life change, what we're talking about here, what Paul's talking about starts on the inside that you can change to where you don't get good at pretending to be loving. You actually love. You don't get good at forcing patience. You're actually 
patient. You don't force yourself to care about the lost. You actually care about the lost. You don't force yourself to go along with, yeah, the church, you know, we, as the church, I'm talking global church, we want to see many saved. We want to go. You have to force that. You just, you feel it. That's part of Jesus in you. I want to see the kingdom expand and grow. And so that's the so what? Good theology equals right living. Ephesians 4.1, Paul writes this. He says, I therefore, the prisoner, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. It's the same idea. Walk worthy. You've been saved. You received Christ. He lives in you. Now walk like it. Now walk worthy. The Christian is now enabled to live differently, to be joyful, grateful, and useful. So then how does this happen? And he talks about it in these verses. How does this happen? Look at verse six. Therefore, as you received Jesus Christ the Lord, so walk in him. We're gonna, we're gonna really dig into these verses and I hope that you gain a lot. But I asked the question, in 10 years, what do you wanna be? So what's your process to get there? He's given us the process right now. And how does it begin? As you received Jesus, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord. Look at what he calls him. As you received Christ, that is the promised Messiah from the Old Testament, there's a lot wrapped up in Christ. That means the God of the Old Testament, Yahweh is the God. He, he did plan to send a Messiah that would die for us. So he is Christ, not just a good prophet, not a good man, Christ, Jesus. That's who he is, Jesus. And we've seen through fully God, fully man, how that works, don't know completely, but fully God, fully man, and the Lord. What does the word Lord mean? It means the one in charge. So as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, now walk in him, he's still Christ Jesus the Lord. There's a lot wrapped up in that that we need to understand. But receive, so here's step one though, all right, in our process. We want to be a fully extended telescope. Here's the process. Number one, receive Jesus as the promised Messiah, as your Savior, and as your Lord. Now, I have to tell you, in this passage, Paul is assuming this. Paul is writing to Christians, and he's assuming they already received Christ Jesus as Lord. But I'm not going to make that assumption. And so that's why I want you to understand, if you're here, and you have not received Christ Jesus as Lord, you can't move on until you get that peace. You can't move on until you understand that there is one way to salvation— that yes, our world will tell you, believe what you want to believe and you believe all roads lead to heaven. And I'm going to tell you that that's just not true. And logically look at it, it can't be true. You have to receive Christ Jesus, the Lord. God became a man because we had an eternal debt because of our sin that we could not pay, never could pay. But Jesus, God's son came and he paid that. And Romans 10, nine says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus as Lord, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's how you receive. John 1, 12, at the very beginning of that beautiful gospel, John writes, uh, to all who received him, that means Jesus, to all who received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. And he wrote that in response to Jesus came to many Jews, his own people, and they did not receive him. They didn't believe he was the Messiah. They cast him out. But all who did receive him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. So it starts with receiving him. Can't move on till you get that. Anybody need to do that like right now? Okay, you'll have time later if you do. 
But that's, that's the first step. Now, here's what's really cool about these verses. I'm going to tell you, I did not plan on covering two verses. I was going to go through a bunch else, but I got through these two and my notes were way too long. And I said, okay, we're going to have to figure this out. Because in these these verses, the Greek verbs used tell us so, so much that we, we, we don't naturally get in our English reading. And that's what we need to look at is how these verbs are used. Because in Greek, how a verb is expressed tells you, is it past tense? Is it present tense? Are you active in it? Are you not? All those things. And each one of these verbs is a little bit different. They're not all the same. And the first verb is received. And this is something that you are active in but you're not the most active in, if that makes sense. It's like receiving a gift. You know, I'm going to give somebody a gift and they can go, yeah, I don't really want that. Or they can receive it. That's, that's the picture of this one. All we do is receive. We put our hands out. Jesus did everything for us. For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so no one can boast. So we receive it. It's kind of passive, but you actually have to put your hands up. So you receive it. And then... It moves to the next verb, walk. As you have received Jesus, so walk in him. This is a command. This is a present active imperative. It means you do this now and you keep doing it forever. Walk, do this, you do this. But there's, there's something in the wording here that, that we can miss. And this is a secret, don't tell anybody. The secret here is that we can misunderstand what this says. And I have much in my life that we can understand this saying, as you have received Jesus, now go work really hard. As you have received Jesus, now walk worthy. Now live like it. Now do your best and work really, really hard. But we're missing one key word in that verse. In. So walk in him. He says nothing about walking in your own strength, walking apart from him. He says, walk in him. He dwells in you. Now you walk in him. It gives me chills because this is what we, this is the mystery from last week where, where Paul says, I labor, labor that you will understand this mystery, Christ in you. And this is the hardest thing for the church to teach. It is. Try and get your kids to understand this. Walk in Jesus. Don't go work hard. Okay, so then I sit on the couch, do nothing. Well, no. <laughs> There's some things we do the main thing is that we walk in him. And then he elaborates on that a little bit. Now, we can word this in other ways. Walk in the spirit. Maybe you've seen that elsewhere in scripture, which says walk not by the flesh, but walk by the spirit. And you see in Galatians, beautiful, where it says walk by the spirit and you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. And then it lists all the fruit of the flesh. So if you're walking in your own strength, here's the things you'll see. They're all nasty. Um, if you're walking in the spirit, here's all the things you see. And they're really awesome. And so the whole point is walk in Christ. And then he elaborates on that. But here's, here's the point. If you're a note taker, live your life. So step two, step one, receive him. Step two, live your life in Jesus at all times. In Jesus at all times. But if you're like me, then you go, How? So we already asked, who cares? But now we say, okay, this is it. How do we walk in Jesus at all times? And he elaborates, look at verse seven. So walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. There's three verbs in that so far. Just as you were, a, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Here's the first step in that process, being rooted being rooted, rooted and, and then built up, but it starts with rooted. Now here's, 
Does anybody in here have a New Living Translation they're reading out of right now? Good. I was going to pick on you if you were. Um, I really like the New Living. I really do. But in the New Living, they'll translate this, go be rooted. Basically, it's telling you to go do something. But that's not how this verb means. It, it's saying it's a past tense. Most most Bible translations get this very right. They do very well. The NIV does an excellent job in some of these. But it says this is something that happened to you in the past. You were rooted. So you received the gift of salvation. You received Jesus as Lord. Then he took you, grabbed you, brought you over here, and he rooted you. So here's, you may be wondering why this banana tree is here. This is our banana tree. Um, and this one, we actually, it was a, a baby off another big one that we had. And I took this banana tree and, and I had it in a pot about this big. And it was sitting above our sink in the window for a long time, just sitting there. Um, and my mother-in-law is doing this because it didn't grow. The, the leaves looked kind of sickly. And so finally I said, I'm just going to reroot that. So I grabbed this little banana tree and I put it in this big pot. I put new soil in, good soil. I grabbed the roots. I pulled them apart like you're supposed to. I put it there, I watered it really well, and I put it over, you know, it's too big now to go there, so I had to go put it by the door. And look at this tree. You can see down here the leaves still living. I'm just gonna break it off, it's okay. But this, this was the size when I replanted it. And look at, look at how fast this thing grew blew my mind. The way it just sprouted up because it had good soil and now good water, and it had good sun. Now it just exploded. The leaves are healthy. It looks good. It's going to last. It's not going to die. And that's all because of the root. Now, what did the banana tree do to grow like that? Who rooted it? I rooted it. Who watered it? I water it. Do you ever water it? No. no. I water it. <laughs> I do all the work for this thing. I put the good soil and it grows. But what does it do? Look, look at this. Look at how it leans. Do you see that? It leans toward the sun. It's kind of funny. And if I turn it around in a couple weeks, it'll lean the other direction. So I do all the work, but it leans into the sun. And I think in large part, this helps us understand what God does with us. When we receive, he roots you in him. And now we need to do some things, but mainly what we do is this. We, we just, we lean into the sun. We walk in him and he does the rest. Now, this is the mystery we need to struggle to understand. This is why you should be in a group so you can talk about this because it's not easy to understand. So then what do I do? Do I sit on the couch and do nothing? No, we do some things, but we have to understand the process because our tendency, my tendency is to go work hard. So here's the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I'm gonna go work hard and be loving. I'm gonna go work hard and have patience. That's not the way it works. You lean into the sun, you walk in Jesus, and he'll make those things happen through you, which means it's a process, and it might be slower than we would like. I want to point out one other thing, though. Notice how some of these leaves are a little bit beat up. Now that we moved it into a new spot, um, soccer balls hit it all the time. We don't have these rules of like no baseball in the house, no soccer in the house. And so this thing gets beat up. <laughs> Balls hit it all the time. And so it's in the line of fire now, but it's still growing really well. It's still doing a good job, even though it's in the line of fire. I think spiritually, we're kind of the same way. 
When we start growing, we're going to be put in the line of fire, uh, but we have all we need to grow as we lean into the sun. But this, this idea of rooted, do we see this anywhere else in scripture? Maybe a similar analogy that Jesus taught somewhere, maybe in John. John 15, Jesus talks about this. He, he uses an analogy of a branch and a vine. Uh, he says, I am the vine, John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. The same idea, the vine just stays attached, or I'm sorry, the branch just stays attached to the, the trunk and gets all its life from that. That's the idea. Walk in the spirit, abide, walk in Christ. That's where we go. Now, here's the thing, realistically, this plant, here's the difference. Every analogy falls short. That's why it's an analogy. This plant can't unroot itself and go walking somewhere else. It just can't. But we, we can, to a certain extent. We can't unroot ourselves, but we can try and seek life elsewhere. We can go other places for truth. We can go other places uh, for value, for, you know, the idea, I want to be happy. Well, I could go other areas to find happiness. And that's a big thing going on right now in our society. Do whatever makes you happy, right? Well, that's not, don't. That's wrong. That's a lie. That's one of those things where we need to go to the source, the right source for all that we need. And here he's talking about, uh, he's going to move on and he's going to talk about how to be built up, but we're rooted. And then he says, verse seven, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, built up and established two more verbs. Guess what? Those are also passive. Those also happen to you. You don't go build yourself. You don't go establish, or that word can be translated, strengthen yourself. He does all of that. If we lean into him, so there is somewhat of a, a give and take. There is somewhat, we walk in him. He does these things, but we have a tendency to go the other way. Ever heard the song, Prone to Wander? We haven't sung that long. Is it a hymn? I think it's a hymn. But, but I remember that hymn from when I was a kid, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. There's something about us that's prone to go other ways. And guess what? You're not the only one that deals with that. <laughs> that's part of being human where we, we're saved, but then there's still this part of us that goes, well, I still want to try it this way. Um, I think a, a sad but true illustration analogy is kids who are adopted. Kids who are adopted when they're older have a tendency to wander. So when, when I was in high school, my youth pastor and his wife adopted um, an 11-year-old boy from Russia, Vitalik. And Vitalik came over, and, and again, he was 11 years old. And he went from being somewhat on the street and then, and then in an orphanage where what he knew was you fight for, for what you need. You know, the clothes were kind of in the orphanage. It was clothes were for, so you had to fight. If you wanted the good clothes, you're going to fight for him. So he moves here and he's fighting for everything he needed. But what a big difference. He moves from this environment to here where he has a, a stable parents, two parents that love him. He had food as much as he wanted. He had a comfortable room that was all his own. He didn't have to share it with anybody. He saw a vacuum. That was one of the weird things. They'd take the vacuum and be like, because they had never seen a vacuum. Um, but he was brought into this environment where he was loved, he was provided for. Um, I was responsible for teaching him some English, so that was fun. Um, some of his first words are, you suck. Um, <laughs> and he, he would just walk around the church, you suck, you suck. <laughs> um, 
But he, he went from, from this to provided for. Everything he needed was done for him. He didn't earn it. It was just given to him. And he could stay there. And we can list, you know, many kids in this, where the older become adopted, this happens. There's this tendency that as they get older, to go back to the street. There's a tendency to go back to abusive relationships. There's a tendency to go back to the things they knew before, whether it's alcoholism or, or drugs and those things. There's a tendency when kids are adopted older to go back to the junk. We have the same tendency. I feel in many ways we're like those kids who have been adopted and we, that the Bible talks about. It. We have been adopted and we can walk in him. We can find all we need in Jesus. We don't have to wander. So why would we? But we can. That's why he has to talk about this. We can. So how do we walk? In him at all times. In him at all times. And he says here, established in the faith as instructed. This is where it maybe starts to get even a little bit more practical. You've been rooted and now you're going to be built up and established. Uh, the idea of rooted, it's it plant rooted, but it can also serve as a foundation for a building. So that word can still be used that way. And that's kind of the idea. Now he's using it like that. So you've been, you're on the foundation of Jesus Christ as Lord, Jesus, the Messiah as Lord. That's the foundation. And now you're going to be built up on that foundation. And he does the building. And how does he do the building and a lot of the establishing in verse seven, he moves on and he says, you know, in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught. So you're going to be established in the gospel, the basic doctrine of Jesus Christ as Lord of Jesus on the cross. We have a tendency in the church, in Christianity to want to move past the cross that the gospel was great for our salvation. Jesus died for me, I'm forgiven, and then move beyond that. Now I wanna get past the cross, but we can't. We grow in the same way as we began. How'd you begin? Surrendering to Jesus as Lord. You began by, by believing you couldn't do it in your own. You had to really rely on him. And now we continue in the same way. I still can't do it on my own. Now the way I walk is in complete dependence and reliance on Jesus, same way. And here he's talking about as you were taught. So Paul taught Epaphras. Epaphras went and taught this church. Now other teachers are coming in saying, what you heard, some of it's true, now move beyond it. For us, it's the same way. We don't have Paul, we don't have Epaphras, but what do we have? We have the scripture. We have the, the word of God written. We have Paul's writings here, as well as the writings of the other disciples. This is where we can sink our roots deep into Jesus. As we were taught, his point, don't stray from this. So if you want to be built up, if you want to mature and grow, you have to be rooted and this is what's going to build on you. This is what God is going to use to build you. He's going to use three things specifically. He's going to use the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. He's going to use his word and he's going to use his church, his people. Inside the building, outside the building, not about the building, but he's going to use his people. Maybe ones that attend different churches, but he'll use his people to build you. That's how he does it. But we are built up through what we were taught, through the purity of what we were taught, the gospel. So if you're a note taker, after receiving Christ, Jesus roots you as you remain in him. That's the idea of abiding or walking in him. Jesus builds you up. Jesus strengthens you in the faith. 
Now, as we go on, we can learn more about the faith, can't we? We can learn more about Jesus. That's the whole point as we progress and go, but we can't depart from the basic gospel. So we can learn and go, but we can't ever get to a point where we go, okay, I've learned so much now, I realize it's about, I have to do some things also. Well, no, you can never move past the cross where Jesus did everything and you do nothing. You depend, you simply receive, you rely on him. We can't move past that. And that's what he's talking about here. Get everything you need from the basic gospel as you received, as other people are coming in, and we're going to get into this over the next few weeks, which is really helpful. But people are coming in saying, that's fine, but also this, also that. He says, no, stay. Everything you need, you already have in Jesus and for us in the Bible. Everything we need. So you have a life situation going on, guess what? Welcome to the club. Anything that disagrees with the Bible, don't use it. And this is one of the big things he's talking about here is, is knowledge but that plays out in action. But knowledge, we have a situation going on. Let's just say parenting. My parents, kids, all right, I'm trying to be a better parent. My kid is acting up. They're, they're disobedient. Okay, I can read this book on parenting and this book on parenting and this book on parenting. If any of those books or any of those counselors or psychologists, or psych- if they disagree with the Bible, they're wrong. They're wrong. If they help the Bible, some of that can be useful. But this is the source of of everything. So spare the rod, spoil the child. It's okay to spank your kids. Um, (laughs) I see kids looking at parents. Yeah. (laughs) You know, within reason, you know, beating them is not appropriate. My point, we can find all we need in Christ, in the Bible, in what he has given us. So walk in him. Galatians 3, 1 through 3, Paul refers to this. He says, after beginning by means of the spirit, meaning beginning your walk with God, you go, it's not about me, it's about you. By means of the spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? So you start in complete dependence on him to do it all, but then you're gonna continue in your own strength? That doesn't make any sense. Last week, we, we shared the illustration of a, somebody playing the piano. You know, Callie playing Flight of the Bumblebee, um, which she didn't work on this week. But playing, you know, playing some kind of symphony. And then someone like me sitting going, I can do that. And sit down and try and scoot over and take over and chopsticks. And that's like us in the Christian life. When we decide we want to take over, which is walking in the flesh, which is the opposite of walking in Christ, we try and take over. And it sounds horrible. We need to just get off the seat, let Jesus sit down and play the tune of our lives so that it's him living in and through us. But that's what it means to walk in Christ, walk independence at all times, in fellowship, in intimacy, in line with the Bible. So I was trying to think of a, a way to, to picture this, because like I said, this is the, a mystery of the Bible that's one of the hardest things to, to nail down, walking in the spirit, abiding, walking in Christ. And so I, I had this picture. How did you begin your Christian walk? If you surrendered to Jesus Christ as Lord, what was the first thing you were supposed to do? Get baptized. So we do it up here in this tank. You come up and several of you in this room have been dunked in that tank and you came up and you got drenched. You just got soaked in the water. What if walking in Christ was like staying soaked? So you began by complete dependence and you were drenched in him. And what we say when, when someone's baptized is died with Christ, buried with Christ, raised to walk in newness of life. 
So now you're going to walk. You're saved by him. Now you walk in him. We need to stay wet. Well, in this climate where we live here in Nevada, how long do you stay wet? If you didn't use a towel and you just walked outside and went for a walk, you'd be dry a block away. Life's like that kind of, isn't it? That spiritually, if we want to walk in Christ in intimacy, we start walking in the world and we start being encountered with, with the media, with everything going on, and we can kind of start to dry off, can't we? <laughs> we can start to see things the world's way, the way we used to see things, and we need to stay wet. And so if you're going to do that day in and day out, how would you stay wet? It's kind of a silly idea, but how would you, you'd have to have a plan. In the morning, get dressed, put your clothes on, step in the shower. <laughs> And you get drenched, right? Okay, now you get in and you're heading to work. Oh, you're starting to dry off. Pull over at that pond over there. Go, you know, jump in. All right, crawl out. You know, you get to work and now you're, you're starting to dry off. Well, good thing you brought your little skirt bottle. You know, but, but it, would, it would take a plan to stay wet and soaked. It's the same with us spiritually. I think walking in Jesus is similar. So we, we need a plan to stay saturated with him at all times. Some people uh, will set an alarm on their watch to pray uh, several times a day. That's, that's a great way. There's a bunch of ways to stay wet. Personal devotions, prayer time, going to a group, uh, coming to church on a Sunday, and it's taking a, a nice bath. I mean, all those things are part of it, but you, with just one, it's one probably not enough. What's your plan to stay saturated with Jesus? So when life happens, you're saturated and you respond in the right way. You respond with love, joy, because it's him in you. That's the picture. And I like to get as practical as we can, but that's our job of staying wet or using this illustration, leaning into the sun. Now, what happens with this tree as it leans into the sun? It grows, it flourishes, but I also want to point out one other thing. Look at the back here. It's got a little baby. So now pretty soon we can cut that off and we can plant that in its own and that's going to sprout up and grow. But if a banana tree is not healthy, you don't get these little offshoots. You don't get them. But when it's big and it's rooted and it's healthy and it's growing, you get these offshoots. It's the same in our Christian life. As we are healthy, as we are abiding, walking in him, guess what? He's going to take you and he's going to put you somewhere and then you're going to have some offshoots. You're going to help lead some others to Christ. It's called discipleship. And they're going to get to know you and they're going, to, they're going to see Jesus in you and then they're going to start to grow. And then as they start to grow, they're going to have an offshoot. That's the plan. That's God's plan to change this world for him. So how do we stay wet? I have to be completely honest and put here, none of us do this perfectly. Some of you probably do it way better than I do. But trying to stay walking in Christ, we're going to do it inconsistently. We're going to stumble along the way, but he has patience with us. But how do we do it? I would say, one, one of the biggest ways is time with him and in his word. Personal devotions. And, and maybe if you've been in church very long, you're like, I'm sick of hearing it. <laughs> I'm sick of hearing this. Have a quiet time with the Lord. Well, guess what? That's one of the best ways to do it. Personal, intimate, close time with Jesus. Going to his word, not religiously. By that, I mean not to gain points with God. And I've done that in my life where I make a, a rule. I'm going to read the Bible every day and then I'll just go and then go on. But guess what? That wasn't walking in Christ. I didn't experience him. I just did my duty. He wants us to, to sit down. Jesus, what do you want to do with me? What do, what do I need to hear? Humbly, what do I need to learn? How can I connect with you? God, I love you. And then you go to the word. 
and you read it expecting the Holy Spirit to do something in you. And that's, honestly, as you read, uh, just read church history, read history at all, people that do great things for God, all of them, here's a consistent thing through all of them, they all have a very faithful, quiet time with the Lord. They are all faithful in prayer and studying the Bible. It's one of those strange things that's just consistent, you know, because I, I read all the books through the years and, you know, how to have a high impact for the kingdom. All of them say, well, stop doing and go get on your knees. And if you're on your knees, then he can do great things through you. But I think that's the, a big thing we need to understand that it starts with personal time with him. And maybe you are like others and you think, well, if I make these rules that I'm gonna go do this, then it becomes religion and then I feel guilty when I don't do it. Well, you know what? Just commit to be consistent. Just go and ask God to help you. I wanna be consistent in your word. And then you put it on your calendar. You put it in your phone. You set an alarm and boop, boop, boop. You wake up at seven or six or whatever it is. And even if it's just 10 minutes, that's a start. Even if it's just listening to the Bible while you drive to work. That's a start, just exposing yourself to him. And here's what's going to happen. There's one more thing that we missed in, in verse 7. I'm going to start at the beginning because it's so short. Verse 6, therefore, as you have received Christ, Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. There's another verb there abounding in thanksgiving. And guess what? This is something you do, but it's not a command, which means this is what happens. When you spend your life walking in Christ, you will be a grateful person. Abounding is the picture of a river that's overflowing its banks. It's a picture of, you know, when we've had these rains and storms and sometimes we can't get to church because uh, the river is going over the, the road down on 395. That's the picture here. That the person walking in Christ, seeking all they need in Christ is going to overflow with thanksgiving. It's not something you create. So don't walk out of here going, I'm going to be a thankful, grateful person. No, you lean into Jesus and you will be a grateful person. Be and what, what is a grateful person? They're a happy person. They're a joyful person despite circumstances because they know some things about God. They trust God. As we wrote down, what do we want to be like in 10 years? I think a lot of those things can be wrapped up in, if I'm a grateful person, these things will be true about me. But guess what? That's only gonna happen as you make a commitment and a plan to lean into Jesus. Not to go do a lot for Jesus, to lean into him and to let him live in and through you. So if you need a takeaway phrase to remember, there's two options, lean into the sun or stay wet. There's the application, stay wet, lean into the sun, and he will do the rest in and through you. Let's pray and continue to worship. Lord Jesus, this mystery is difficult to understand. On a practical level, it's difficult to know how do I, how do I not take control and try and do things in my own strength, but how do I lean into you? How do I tap into the roots that are already in you and find all that I need from you, not from what media says, not from the news, not from other self-help help books that are apart from you, not from psychology that's apart from you. God, but finding all we need in you, 
Holy Spirit, we need you. (laughs) We can put as many words around this as possible, but we need you to come into our hearts, to awaken us, to help us to understand and apply. We need you. So Holy Spirit, I beg you, do what my words cannot do. Do what these wonderful musicians can't do with their music. Grab our hearts. Show us yourself. Let us fall deeply in love with you so that all we want is you. And then use us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.